Welcome to the Am I Called podcast. Am I Called is a ministry that exists to help men find their call and to help pastors find called men. For more information and resources, visit amicalled.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Harvey. Morning, folks. At least it's morning here in Tallahassee. I'm Dave Harvey, and this is the Am I Called podcast, and thanks for joining us today. Stephen Eltrogi, by the way, is also joining our discussion. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. Now, Stephen, you have not asked me to do this, but I want our listeners to know that you have a new podcast, right? Yeah, I'm just uh, it's with my friend Ronnie Martin, who is a sojourn pastor in Ohio, and Ronnie and I, uh, we share a mutual love for movies, culture, uh, just pop culture things in general. So we talk about them. It's not particularly profound discussion. It's more just two guys shooting the breeze. And honestly, we we just enjoy each other's company a lot. So that's the that's the feel of it. Two guys shooting the breeze. So if folks want to hear two guys shooting the breeze, how do they get to it? Uh, the podcast is called Deconstructed. You can search that on iTunes or Google Play. Stephen, I've really been looking forward to this podcast because joining us today is Ed Welch. And Ed has been serving as a counselor and a faculty member at CCEF for probably close to three decades. Uh, Ed has his PhD in neuropsychology, and he's played a, a really important, a really vital role in the development of CCEF as, as a ministry. And by the way, CCEF stands for the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. The, the thing that uh, people probably know more about Ed is that Ed is a, is, is a writer. Uh, he has written books on shame and addictions and depression and fear, fear of man. And he, if you're familiar with the Journal of Biblical Counseling, Ed has written some killer articles for the journal as well. So, Ed, great to have you join us today. Uh, well, thanks, Dave. Steve, good to be with you as well. I uh, you, you threw me for a loop when you said people know me more as a writer. I, I, um, I think that people know me around here as a grandfather who always has one of my grandkids that I get to hold during church. So, so I, I, I forgot that I had any other reputation other than that. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't get to see those visuals down here in Tallahassee, but we sure appreciate the writing part of what you're doing. Oh, thank you. So, Ed, I, I do want to talk specifically today about the the subject of pastors, leaders, and and depression. But I wanted to start with a question on writing because you've written on a wide array of subjects and you've really tackled some complex issues. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious, what's been the most difficult topic that you've written on? Hmm, the most difficult topic. I, I guess I never think of that way. I think of I think of every topic is difficult in its own way, uh, but but difficult really in a in a fine way. Where scripture, I, I think the Spirit uses scripture in a way that that he he is pleased when we dig and work and dig farther and pray more and and so so in that sense every topic is is this digging struggling process. But that's that doesn't feel like work. That just it just feels like great fun. It's it's this treasure chest that there's more and more rewards the farther we dig in. So, so the, the process of writing, I find, is always challenging, but it's always just, just invigorating and inspirational. I, I, I tend to think of the things I write more as, as just how they have left their imprint on me. And, and I would say that 
that certainly the book I wrote on shame has has left an imprint on me where it's it's it, it's reminded me of God's persistent interest in people who feel worthless and feel like outcasts to the point where if you don't feel like if you don't feel worthless in some way and feel like a bit of an outcast then then you're you're not you're not part of the group so so it gave me a, a really a new way of reading all of scripture so I appreciated that material and fear I probably use it every day and the material and depression I I, I I think about it at least every week as I encounter more and more people who have those kinds of struggles. So I'm not quite answering your question. What's the hardest one to write? They're all hard in their own way, but but writing is just such a it's it's a privilege. So I, I have no complaints. <laughs> I'm curious because when I look at your your bio and I see PhD in neuropsychology, um, you know that's not typically a. a a study or a discipline that's paired with biblical counseling, and uh, and so tell me, tell us about you know why you pursued neuropsychology and and where you see the intersections with uh, with biblical counseling. I became a Christian in my last month of undergraduate work. I became a Christian largely through just reading the Bible, and there were, there were other circumstances that, that that the Lord used, but it was largely reading the Bible. And 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 once I came to Christ, I, I thought this this Bible is pretty powerful, and and I abandoned some of the other plans I had for graduate school and went to seminary. I just wanted to study Scripture, and it was it was during my I guess my second year in seminary that I realized there was this fledgling thing called counseling where people actually used the Scripture. And there was there was even one course at the seminary where I attended, and it just it just I loved it. It, it just suited me to to bring scripture to bear and the gospel to bear and the details of life, and, and and to do it in in a more personal setting. I think I think I probably I probably lean toward that. I I I'm happy to speak publicly if there are things that that I, I that that I I really enjoy thinking about and. But but I, I think I really really mostly enjoy hearing from people in those one on one settings. So so once I once I was aware of that, I, I said if I could do this, this is what I'd like to do. I ended up going to graduate school. Again, there's a long story there. Uh, and in my in graduate school, I realized, and, and and I think my faculty realized as well, that to go through graduate school in psychology as a Christian was going to have its challenges. You do these internships where you counseling from a particular secular perspective, and and uh, I, I had I had a an internship at one of my internships was at the counseling center at the university where I attended, and and the the first person I saw was was a man who an undergraduate who was essentially saying vanity of vanities all is vanity, and he was thinking suicidally and he was he was struggling with depression. And I invited him to church the next week, and it was all on tape, and my supervisor was going to hear it. And and to his to his immense credit, he 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 didn't kick me out of the program, but at the same time, I realized it might be challenging to to go through the program. And it was at that point that that, that God really very graciously opened up this other track at a hospital that was nearby, and it was a neuropsychology track. And in that particular track. Really, the only question I was asked to to to, to answer was I was I was asked to consult on different cases in the hospital wards, the medical wards, and the question was: Here's some psychological phenomena, 
is this is this a medical problem or is it a non-medical problem? And and after I answered that question, it, it, they, they 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 it was it was largely irrelevant to them as long as I cared for people well. But they didn't care what orientation that I had, and it just so happened that I had a charismatic supervisor, who who um, who paved the way and made speaking about Jesus in that setting to be fairly easy. So that's a long way of saying that that I stumbled into neuropsychology in the same way that we so often go through our vocational paths. But but it, I think it has served CCF well because that it, it, it really helped me to think for two years, that question, what does the body do? And and what does bodily bodily dysfunction do, especially for the way we think and the way we feel and how our brain works? So that question has been extraordinarily helpful to consider, and it's certainly relevant to the question of depression. And and that's the question that I want to take up, um, because I it, I think it it can be difficult at times for some people who are Christians to to understand a believer as an embodied soul with a soul with a, a body that's fallen, a mind that's fallen, and and to understand the other things apart from your spiritual realities that might that might be uh, influences upon depression. So so let me just begin with a broad question, Stephen. I'd be interested in hearing your perspective on this as well. Just you know, this is a very sensitive topic, particularly among pastors, among leaders, and uh, I think we've all encountered that in some way. And uh, Ed, you know, why would you say there is such a reluctance to talk openly about depression for pastors and leaders? No, oh, yeah, I, I think I, I think that there is less reluctance. For people, for 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 lay folks in the church to to talk about depression, I think there is le- less reluctance to do that. But Dave, even that has is taken a good bit of time. We we live in this, I guess, this one flew over the cuckoo's nest era where anything that that we identify as some sort of psychological or psychiatric problem, it 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 immediately brings a certain amount of shame on us. Those things are changing. Where where at least my experience is, pastors are, are are certainly pursuing those who struggle with depression in their congregation. They can they talk about it in the pulpit as a way to invite people into scripture and and, and say here's a culture in this particular church where we can talk about these very difficult kinds of suffering. I I, I do find that that's changing, but 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 what you're you're identifying is for a pastor to be able to acknowledge that that, that they themselves struggle with depression that there still tends to be a, a problem there the the reason for that yes it's a great question it it's this this slow momentum that is moving through the church and and and, and I, I think part of it is pastors in general have a hard time acknowledging weakness and no I'll, 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 I'll just think of myself I I talk to people who struggle with weaknesses all the time, and and I admire them, and and I and I and, and strength and weakness is something I so value, and I, I and I I I'm blessed to be able to see it in others, but when weakness sort of knocks on my own door, and I'm in a position to to ask for help from other people, to to ask for prayer, to acknowledge my struggle, I it's. 
it's just very hard for me to do that. And, and, and I assume that there are other pastors who, who find the same thing. So we're slow to grow in those things, but, but it's happening. I think because in, in part, you know, pastoral ministry is a character vocation and uh, men are qualified on the basis of their character. And when you begin to move into the world of depression, it, it can almost instinctively, reactively bring up questions about whether there's some weakness in your character or some feature of character development that you're not applying yourself to. So, so yeah, Ed, comment yeah. on that. Stephen, you comment on that as well. Yeah, that word instinctively is really a good one. There, there tends to be this immediate reaction that, that there, there's some sort of character defect when, when we identify depression. The reality, and this is the word we, we hope to get out, the reality is the word depression means that something is really, really hard in your life. And, and, and that's what we know. And, and we, we don't have to figure out exactly why that hardness is there. It is just simply suffering. And, 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 and certainly one thing scripture does is, is it cautions us to, to make this connection between our own sin and our suffering. Cautions us in the Old Testament, cautions us in the New Testament. But, but we still tend to make those, like you're saying, Dave, these, these instinctive links. How can we recognize that this is a form of suffering? And, 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 and could, we, could we imagine what it would be like for pastors to, to in small steps, wisely begin to be more open with with their own sufferings it it it, it radically changes the culture of the church and it actually becomes an apologetic to the world uh, where it says here's a place where people can be open in their weakness and we we can find strength in christ in the midst of our weakness you know for me yeah for me um this is a very personal issue for a couple reasons one is um, I've struggled with depression for many years. My wife has as well. My, my It runs in my family. Um, and so I think one of the big challenges, at least that, that I've encountered, is it's very hard for people who don't and have not experienced depression to understand what it's like. Yeah. And so they begin to place it in unhelpful categories, whether that's sometimes it's sin, other times it's, they try to rightly, because they're compassionate, they try to compare it to their own experience. Um, uh, and they'll say, you know, compare it to a time they were sad. Um, and it's just a fundamentally different experience than just experiencing sadness or weariness. There's something fundamentally experientially different about it. And honestly, I think that can be discouraging for those of us who do experience depression because it can feel like no one quite gets it. No one quite understands it. And honestly, that can lead us, and this, this isn't right, this, but this is a legitimate temptation to face, is that it, it can lead to with, withdrawal and retreat to where it just feels like it's easier to isolate yourself. Um, and I think that can contribute to the problem. And I think it contribute it can contribute to pastors as well because it's hard to find not only is it hard for them to confess their weakness but to find others who can help them in that weakness and understand that weakness um, you know it's not it's not a temptation unique to man to a certain person as scripture tells us but it's certainly it it's a it's a 
temptation that not everyone experiences in the same way. And so I think that also can contribute to just the reticence to talk about it is just feeling like, well, no one's going to get it anyway. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I, I, I try to say, how can, how can pastors take small steps in, in being a bit more open about this? Because, because, Stephen, I think what you're saying is like all kinds of suffering, when we speak about it more openly, people inevitably will say hurtful things, sometimes usually well-intentioned, but oftentimes very hurtful. Sure. And, and, and we have to recognize that, that any time we, we speak of our sufferings to the larger church, that that's, that's what's going to happen. Sure. You know, we, we've been studying, uh, or we finished a study of Second Corinthians at Four Oaks, and one of the things that I think it did for our people was to sensitize them to the to the reality of Paul's experience as a human being, as a sufferer, as an emotional being, where you know he acknowledges his anxiety for all the churches, or talks about the reality of the thorn, or you know in the first chapter where he talks about uh, that he doesn't want them to be ignorant because of this affliction in Asia, where they were so utterly burdened beyond their strength that he says he he despaired of life itself. Um, and that was the teaching of reliance. And, and, and it doesn't really resolve. It doesn't, it's not like he just says, and then it all lifted, you know. He, he just kind of goes to what God's purpose in it was that, you know, to make him reliant. But I, I think there's a reading of Paul that, uh, that we don't customarily have that accents you know, some of the joy and courage and other wonderful qualities, but doesn't see these other sides and, you know, and therefore I think makes him a stronger, a stronger leader, a, a more human leader. No, I, yeah, David, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. When, when I read Second Corinthians, Paul, it seems to me, is it, it, he, he's doing things that is far beyond what he expects other pastors to do. He is the way he speaks so blatantly about these weaknesses, even just a thorn in the flesh, to, to talk about that publicly is it, it, it's just another round of humiliation. That the cult, when when he talked about these kinds of weaknesses when, and, and boasting in his weakness, the the response to that was this guy is this marginalized person who couldn't really be used by Christ, because anybody who has those kinds of problems is somehow on the outs with. With the Holy God, so he—it's—it's it's almost as if he is strategically saying, "I am going to be transparent with my weaknesses, as as a way to as a way to show all pastors who follow that that there is strength we can find in Christ, even even when we when we're un, when we're under siege by by people who." Who, who are ashamed of us as, as we speak of these things. Yeah, it's, it's part of his defense against the uh, people, the misguided Corinthians and the interlopers that are trying to distort Paul and, uh, and separate him from the Corinthians. And he's ba they're, they're basically saying about Paul, oh, he's weak. And Paul's saying, oh, you think I'm weak? I'm weaker than you know. Yeah. And, and he goes through a chronicle of those things. Ed, let me... Uh, let me switch it up a little bit and get you interacting with, with uh, a scenario. So, ju so just imagine that you're sitting across from a pastor who says, "Ed, I, I just don't 
understand it. I mean, I, I wake up in the morning and my emotions are muted. I have no motivation. Um, my, my feelings from the very moment I get up seem to be just discouraged and downcast and I'm not thinking about anything necessarily that's, that's inspiring that discouragement. It's just there. So my question for you is that where does one start in trying to serve someone with those kind of depression-like symptoms? Um, I, <clears throat> I, the first thing I think as you're talking is I am, I am so honored that this person would actually speak with me. And, and, and Dave and Steve, one of the challenges is, 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 is depression by its very nature tends to leave us feeling so isolated. And, and and to actually, to try to find help, especially with somebody we might not know very well, is, it, it, it's a Herculean task. So, so the first thing I'm thinking is, this is, this is astounding that I have the privilege of being able to, to in some small way, share a burden with, with this particular brother. So that's the first thing I'm thinking. The, the second thing I'm thinking is, that that he has probably understated the the experience that he has he he feels dead he feels absolutely dead and you know, you're talking about emotions being muted and 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 and, and sometimes depression really does feel as though as though death has just sort of come from the grave and and it's and it's grabbed us, and it, it's it's as if it's killed things inside of us, and and, and the way we tend to think about the Christian life, it we, we it, the Christian life is life. It's it, and and part of life is a responsiveness, responsiveness to those we love, responsiveness to Scripture, responsiveness to Christ, to, to the gospel of Christ, and 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 to not feel that kind of responsiveness, it, it, it on the on, on top of this layer of deadness is. Is another layer of guilt. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me when when I am preaching these things and 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 and, and expecting people to respond? When 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 I am involved in, in in singing songs of worship to the Lord and I feel nothing? What what is it that, that is wrong with me? So so that's the second thing I'm thinking. The the ex, the experience of depression, it it, it feels like death, and then. Whoever has that experience, it begs for an interpretation. That you, it, you can't you go through that kind of suffering without being compelled to ask why, or in this or in this sense, what's wrong with me that I would feel such a thing? And what do I do? I, 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 I guess in one sense, the first thing I'm doing is, is, is I'm saying this is this is the kind of suffering that 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 perhaps you haven't experienced before. But, but everything that I hear is, is, a, is a person who's suffering and they have the humility to ask for help, which is the ob obvious work of the Spirit. And, and, and by faith, they continue to seek Christ. And when I say the word by faith then, I'm thinking without any, any sensory aids, <laughs> without, without the aid of our emotions and, and our feelings, we, we are seeking Christ because because God Himself has spoken, and and we follow Him, and, and what else can we do? And, and 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 some of the things I have opportunities to do with with pastors who struggle with is, 
is I have opportunities to, to do to, to lay it on, to lay their story on to Second Corinthians a bit, um, and to say, is it possible that this is a kind of thorn in the flesh, and 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 you already have demonstrated a kind of strength and weakness as as your your, your reliance on Christ is evident. Now, Dave, I'm, that doesn't seem like very much. It, it, it's not getting into okay, what are the answers? What's the way out? Uh, and and, and sometimes I just don't know the way out. Sometimes there is no clear way out. I, I can remember Spurgeon, who talked about his own wrestlings with depression. He, he talked about it as like this mist. You might as well, might as well fight with a mist as, as fight with this thing that can be called despondency or depression. Mm-hmm. Then he uses the example of an iron bolt. It's as if, it, it, as if you're, you're, you're behind this iron bolt and only a heavenly hand can, can open the door and release this sort of death that feels like it has something something just entangling you. So I guess I'm going back to what Stephen was saying and, and saying I, I, I'm, I'm not really going that quickly. I just, I want to be moved by what, by what this brother says and, and, and part of being moved is I, I want to understand it and, and I want to understand it in a way that he feels understood. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't seem like a very big thing, but to to enter in and to share in someone's someone's misery together, and to have that person in your heart to be able to pray for that person, and 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 also to encourage them that that it's not it's not immoral to to feel dead, but to be able to speak Christ. In fact, it 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 can be this heroic expression of faith. Just to just to be able to identify those small things. I think I, I, I've seen them be, be blessings in and of themselves. Ed, I have a question. I, I think I really appreciated what you said there. And I think one of the temptations for people when someone comes to them expressing this the, these experiences you're talking about, whether it's depression, anxiety, all these things that, that you're we're, we're touching on, I think one of the quick temptations, and this is understandable in many ways, but is to quickly dichotomize things into either sin or righteousness, um, and then to begin prescribing solutions quickly based on that quick analysis. So, for example, the quick question is, well, are you believing the promises of God? Are you, is this... You know, is this because of unbelief? Or are you struggling with this because of you know sin in your life? And I understand that temptation, and I, I understand why people do it because you know we've been taught well that the solution to sin is to apply God's word and seek Christ. But I've also seen how harmful that approach can be in situations like this. And so, how would you how would you address that? What I think is a, a common temptation to those who are trying to care for those who are depressed. Mm. Uh, one of the one of the challenges with scripture is that it says a lot of things, and, and 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 as a result, we we can so easily race in with what we perceive as answers. And Steve, what what you mentioned before was was that these are oftentimes well-intentioned people who would like to somehow alleviate the misery that that we experience in in our lives I you're making me think of the Lord's initial self-declaration you know the Lord the Lord the compassionate and gracious God the 
the, the God of compassion who is moved by the sufferings of his people. And, and in the context of Exodus, the, you hear these people who are moaning and groaning in Egypt, and it doesn't seem as though they're actually even calling out to the Lord. And, and he is moved by, by their groanings. And, 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 and that, as far as I can tell, that is, that is the essential, that, that we want to hear what is on our brother's soul in such a way that we are moved, like compassion. We, we, are, we are moved by, we are moved with. And, and, and in some ways, anything after that, there's going to be, it's going to be mingled with love and compassion, and it will probably be helpful in some way. But anything before compassion is is probably going to feel like, at best, these shallow bromides. But but more more likely, it will feel like we just you know Stephen, like what you were saying before again, we just withdraw a little bit more, and we realize this this sense of being disenfranchised from the body of Christ. It's true, and and it just it just be, just becomes accentuated. In the uh, in the profile I gave you earlier, Ed, I was talking about somebody who wakes up and uh, you know and has these these feelings, these muted feelings, these uh, these experiences of uh, of unresponsiveness. And I do think that that represents a profile. And in some ways, you know, if I'm understanding Stephen correctly, that's that's kind of the, some of the things that he struggled with in the past. You know, I think for me, I have. Uh, I have very depressive tendencies, and uh, but I I can often trace them to the to conversations that I'm having in my head, where I think my default position is to talk to myself about things that are bad or discouraging or worst case scenarios, um, and and really and and entirely unconsciously at times. Uh, be aware that there are these conversations that are constantly going on in my head that are taking me down a road that inevitably they're going to lead to something depressing. Um, And uh, I've been, I've been surprised at, at how much scripture speaks of just where to, to put our mind. And I think it's very relevant for people like me. I, I've been just trying to, to meditate on Philippians 4, you know, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just or pure, think on these things. Um, and so, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear any comments you, you have on that, but I, that's a real experience from, from oh, my that life. that is nasty. Yeah, that is nasty. So, so what, what I'm, I'm thinking, first of all, I'm, I'm, in a sense, I'm recasting this experience as, here's what I know, in this world you will have trouble. And this is, this is trouble, and and Scripture does does not race to immediately making this connection with some sort of sin. In this world, you will have trouble, uh, and, and and this trouble feels like this deadened soul. We know that, but but Dave, one of the things you're identifying is 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 I think one of the most challenging features of depression. It, it's it, 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 it's depression gathers momentum, you know, even even in its lesser it, it, when it when it has lesser power, it it tends to embrace everything that is bad. So we can we can think of 
everything bad that's happened to us. We can think of everything bad in us. As it gathers more and more, more and more momentum, I think one of the great challenges of depression is it feels like it can only see the bad. It, 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 it feels incapable of, of knowing anything good. And, and, and here's where I think families can struggle, where, where somebody in the, in the family is struggling with depression and they say, well, well, well daddy, we love you so much. Um, and, and, and they're expecting that that's going to somehow resonate within our soul and lift it up. But, but it's as if we, we are tone deaf to encouragement and and even to even to those statements of love. So so Dave, I'm I'm not I'm not giving an answer. I, I realize I'm going slowly through some of this, but I'm just I'm just saying this. You have just identified a one of the real treacherous features of depression. And I think here, if if we understand Satan's devices, I think sometimes the Apostle Paul gives us too much credit when he says we we know his devices. But but one of his devices is he's this. He, he, he's, he's, he's this stalking lion, and, and he, he's just waiting to see, to see weaknesses in our lives. And, and depression is certainly a kind of weakness. And, 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 and it's depression already sets us up to feel estranged from the Lord. And, and here Satan comes in and, and begins to, to say, well, I can understand why why God is so distant from you right now? Because look at all these bad things. You know, look, it, it, look, it, who who could possibly love you in in the midst of this? So, so this is not to say that Satan is 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 the author of depression, but at least he he races in when he when he sees the opportunity. So, so I think of I think of a couple. So, where do we go with that? I, I think of I think of two things. One is, brother, here's. What, what does it mean to walk by faith? It means that the things that God has put in front of you, you, you do the next thing. Uh, you, you take the next step. You actually get out of bed. You, you shave if, if you're inclined to shave. You, 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 you get into the scripture even though it can feel lifeless. But you do it, you do it because this is God's calling in your life. Not because you're enthusiastic, but it's because of God's calling. And just just do the next thing. I think the more advanced step would be would be it, it, since nothing feels like it has life, and and so often. Well, I'll, I'll describe myself. I get out of bed in the morning. And I'm always tired. I always feel worse when I get up than when I went to bed. <laughs> I just feel I feel miserable a lot of times. But at the same time, I want to get out of bed. There are things I want to do. I'm I'm motivated. I feel I, I feel like getting out of bed. But to, to, to not feel anything, it, it becomes a very different style of life. To, to not feel like reading scripture. I think one of the, the, the more advanced courses with depression is, is what I've heard from, from other, other brothers and, and sisters who talk about force feeding, where they, they don't feel like they have any appetite for anything. They don't feel as though they have an appetite for scripture, but, but they're going to read it or they're going to have somebody read it to them. And... And they're going to, in a sense, they're going to force feed it down. And, and as they force feed it, they're, they're going to pray that, that, that the God who brings life would, would actually bring life through, through Scripture. Sometimes he will and sometimes he won't. But, but you know, that, 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 that issue you're raising, to only see the bad, is that, that's the treachery of depression.
Ed, you were talking about the devices of the enemy, and I'm, I'm curious, um, when you're sitting with a leader who is discussing depression, are you attempting to divide uh, between the physiological issue and the spiritual attack? Is that an important part of helping them? Or is there a, a, a more holistic approach that you're taking? Uh, I, I appreciate you trying to find the inner workings of how I'm thinking about it. When I when I say the word trouble or weakness, I am initially thinking physiologically. Here, here's what I know about the brain: the, the 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 brain can can go on the fritz for lots of different reasons, uh, and 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 when it does, there there are almost infinite variations of what could happen. One of the things can happen is this experience of emotional numbness that that we can identify as depression. And if you if you look through if you look through the side effects of medications, so often medications can can mimic depression and sometimes even be the cause of depression for for some people. And and, and my point there is that is that it, it, it is that is that it's it's at least a physiological phenomena. So so the word weakness for me it is I'm saying there's something physiological. There's a, there there is when the, the word suffering. When I'm using the word suffering, I'm saying there's something physiological. When I use the word trouble, I'm thinking there's something physiological. And 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 and, and furthermore, I'm saying we are agnostic as to exactly why there is that trouble. We we. In Scripture, we don't have to know the cause of suffering. Uh, Job obviously didn't know the cause of his suffering. Uh, the, uh, we don't have to be compel- compelled to find the cause. It's how do we love and, and walk together with other people who are suffering, recognizing their suffering could, could persist. So, so, so you're right. There's, I, I am trying to think holistically, but, but I am... I am trying to be careful in the way Scripture categorizes things, and 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 and, and when right now as we talk about depression, feeling feeling emotionally numb, uh, having a mind that tends to tends to hold on to to our failings and our weaknesses and our sins, uh, and, and and a mind that tends to hold on to to things in ministry that feel like failures. Those, those, those are not moral or immoral issues per se. These, I believe, are, are things that the brain can do when, when it's not doing well. Ed, this is a fascinating conversation, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to move to, to close, but I want to drop into one pocket, one final pocket, and that has to do with the whole area of, of medication um, and, uh, you know, maybe we can approach this just by thinking, well, first thinking about, I was, I was reviewing your book yesterday and, and you were, you were mentioning in your book on depression that, you know, n- nobody can really confidently diagnose a chemical imbalance, uh, because there's just no way to, you know, to really know. So maybe one way to get at this would be, you know, when should a pastor, a leader, consider medication for depression? Uh, that's a great question. The, if if I could 
if I could make up a, a route that I think would be beneficial, if I'm thinking if I put myself in it, I would think if if this experience that we, we're identifying as depression, if, if if I feel it coming on, what I would like to do is I would like to be able to meet with with someone else who can, in a sense, can just give me the once over. <laughs> you know, the nature of depression is, again, it feels as though it's hard even to think. So for somebody to to consider life with us and 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 to, to have a second opinion, in a sense, on life, to and, and to use it as an opportunity to consider our, my own heart, to, to, to use it as an opportunity to, to consider other kinds of scripture, to, to have different interpretations on what may be going on. So I would, if possible, I would prefer to, 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 to just have that opportunity with one other wise person, just what's happening and and how and how do I discern from the Lord what is it He's doing, and 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 what is important in here? What should I give my attention to, and and what does Scripture have to say to me right now? That that's what I would prefer, and 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 then at that point, if depression is just plain old sticky, and 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 we we see no we see no way through it. Or, 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 you know, hope has two different features to it. Hope is an eternal hope where we are confident of, 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 of the divine hospitality that we will experience from, from Christ and in Christ. That's one form of hope. Another form of hope is, is, is we can sort of see there, there are things in front of us that God is teaching us, and there, there are ways we can grow in them. And and, and and we see the, ben- the we see a potential profit in them. I I think oftentimes if for those I know who struggle with depression, if they can see, hmm, here's an area where 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 I want to grow, where I, where I think I can grow, and I, I really want to grow. If if they can see something out in front of them that that that, that grabs their attention and is hopeful in that sense, I I, I tend not to think about medication as much. But if everything just looks plain old black, then then I think it certainly is a worthwhile question. The in, in some ways, Dave, I think it's really very simple. There's there, there's no evidence of a chemical imbalance, but there is evidence that that there is medication that can be helpful for some people in the midst of depression. And and hi yeah yeah if if I was struggling with that kind of blackness, it's you, you, you want it to release its grip, um, and even if it's just a little bit. And, and depression is not this, this bullet that, that, just, that just explodes and, and takes care of. And depressions, they, they, just don't, they just don't come in and cure everything. But, but if, if, if there can just be some small erosion of the suffering, that can, that, that can, be, so, that, that can be so helpful. So, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, a pastor can consider depression, any depression at any time. Uh, there's, there, that's 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 perfect. That's perfectly fine. They would probably do it by way of their primary physician. Sometimes a primary physician would send them to a psychiatrist who might be more familiar with different kinds of antidepressants, and they could find one that might be more suitable. But, but what am I saying? I'm saying that 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 it's it's a matter of wisdom. That, 
that we that if pastors consider medication, they just ask questions. They what are what, what's how might it help be helpful? Could it be hurtful? What are possible side effects? And and you you simply make an informed decision. The challenge, and this takes us back to what we were talking about earlier. Do you do you talk to other people about medication? And, and frankly, I don't know. I I know some pastors who are willing to talk to their leadership about it. Some pastors who are willing to talk to their congregations about it, and some people who only speak to their wives about it. So that's you know how you speak about it in in public. That's a slightly different question. But but if pastors move toward medication because they're looking for some small relief from that darkness, that that makes perfect sense. If you're listening to this podcast and you find yourself identifying with some of what's being talked about or you feel like you're struggling with depression right now, I want to just invite you to apply some of what Ed is saying, which would begin with talking about it. You know, first talk to God about it. Make sure that you're expressing the way you feel to the God who's created you and, and, and wants to hear and wants you to draw close. Talk to your wife if you're married. Talk to a doctor. Talk to your pastor. Talk to somebody who knows you and loves you. And uh, you know, there's great shame uh, that, that, that men in particular feel when they struggle with this. And, and that silences them. Don't let that happen. Talk to somebody. And, and talk to somebody at CCEF. I mean, uh, Ed Welch has trained many people at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation and you can just go online and talk to your pastor and see if he he thinks that's a good idea. But go online, get the contact information, and and get the help you need because you don't need to suffer alone. Ed, thank you for joining us, and thank you in particular for the work that you're doing to serve pastors and leaders and people in in thinking and writing on on topics like depression. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys, and, and it's really been a privilege to think about these things with you. I realize we're just sort of touching on it, but to to start off our days thinking about these important things is, um, is very valuable. I appreciate the time. Thanks. And Stephen, thank you as well, not only for joining us, but for humbly sharing your story. Absolutely. For our listeners, if you want more information on leadership topics like we're covering today, um, go to amicalled.com. There's podcasts there. There's articles. and There's a blog there. Uh, there's also an assessment test, but right now it's undergoing a substantial upgrade. So we'll be back in a month with the new version of the assessment. Um, and <clears throat> for those of you that are joining us today, thank you very much for being with us and for this episode of the Am I Called podcast. See ya.